Welcome to the One for the Money podcast. I'm your host, Johnny West. I'm a certified financial planner, and here I will teach you the tips, tricks, and strategies I use to help others retire early. This is the easy button when it comes to early retirement. Everything you want or need to know is right here. I'm so glad you join us on the show. Welcome to episode 25 of the One for the Money podcast. I am always glad and grateful you have taken the time to listen. While an early retirement can be a result of actions you have taken via better planning, there are outside forces that need to be considered as well. One of those forces is the Federal Reserve, known as the Fed for short. And today I'll be sharing with you why the Fed is not necessarily your friend unless you are a bank. In the tips, tricks, and strategies portion, I will share strategies that you should consider given the actions of the Fed. Thank you for listening. Now on with the show. I'm recording this episode in mid-October 2022. We are now three quarters of the way through the year, and both stocks and bonds have continued to struggle, to put it nicely. At the halfway point through this year, we had the worst six-month performance in over 50 years, and both stocks and bonds were down during that time for only the fourth time since 1926. We're now at nine months through the year, and bonds and stocks are still both down. So why are they still struggling? Primarily one reason, higher than normal inflation. Inflation is the increase in the cost of the things everyone buys. If the prices of things that both businesses and individuals buy increases too fast and for too long, future prices can get out of control and cause significant problems for the economy. A small amount of inflation is good. Lots of inflation is bad and negative inflation on a broad scale is even worse. That's what you see in a depression. We want a happy medium when it comes to inflation because it's a natural result of a growing economy. The Federal Reserve that controls the supply of money in the economy is responsible for keeping inflation in that happy medium zone. And right now they are taking actions that are causing both bonds and stock prices to go down. However, it's unknown as to whether these actions by the Fed will have their intended effect. And that's the subject of this episode of the One for the Money podcast. But first, it's really important to understand how we got to this point. What may surprise many is that the challenges we face today are a result of actions taken during the Great Recession between 2008 and 2012. As you may recall, in the early 2000s, the housing market was ascendant and there was a huge surge in home purchases and consequently home prices. I remember speaking with a friend who only earned a modest salary, but had purchased three homes during this time. He was far from alone in purchasing homes he didn't have the income or assets to afford. Sadly, we all know what happened next. The housing market crashed in spectacular fashion, and the economy was pushed to the brink of collapse as many of our banks were at risk of failing. Without banks, the economy would be crippled. As a result, we became dangerously close to another depression, and during this crisis, an untested solution was implemented to save the banks and the economy that sowed the seeds of what we are reaping today. Many believe that this crisis was solely a result of big, greedy banks, and that's not entirely true. 
banks were indeed guilty, but they had a tremendous amount of help from homebuyers and a well-intentioned government program. That government program reduced the financial requirements to borrow money to purchase a home. Proof of income, credit scores, and down payments, etc. were greatly reduced or even eliminated so that more people could buy a home. These were often called ninja loans, which stood for no income, no job, and no assets being needed to purchase a home. While the program was well-intentioned, many individuals, with the help of mortgage brokers and banks, bought homes they simply could not afford. The economy was built on a house of cards, and the cards were the houses purchased without any money and a lot of creative financing. Once housing prices started dropping even faster than they had risen, lots of people walked away from the homes, and it was easy for them to do so because without having to make a down payment, they didn't have anything to lose by doing so. With everyone walking away from the homes they couldn't afford, it created a crisis that had the potential to tip the economy into a depression. This crisis required an intervention to save the banks. The banks needed money to cover bad loans, and the Fed began printing lots of money, known better by the ambiguous term quantitative easing. Since inflation is caused when the supply and demand forces in the economy get out of whack, there was a worry for a time that all of this extra printed money would create increased spending and consequently inflation. But because the money remained out of the economy and stayed in the banks themselves, we didn't see inflation at that time. Contrast that to what happened during the COVID pandemic. The Fed Reserve printed massive amounts of money again. But instead of the money only going into the bank, it was given directly to individuals as well. This greatly increased demand at the very same time when supply was being disrupted due to the government shutdown mandates that affected supply chains. This was a recipe for stubbornly high inflation. Now, if you're still with me, bravo. Here in late 2022, we are continuing to experience high non-transitory inflation. High inflation is a huge problem for an economy as prices can get out of control, which impacts consumer spending. Consumer spending makes up two-thirds of the economy. It's what mostly makes the economic world go round. So how does inflation get fixed? Well, usually the Federal Reserve, which is responsible for the flow of money in the economy, takes actions to reduce inflation. During normal times, the Federal Reserve, or Fed for short, would do two things. They would raise interest rates and reduce the amount of money at the banks. During these normal times, the banks only had limited cash reserves, which they could lend to consumers, which is why reducing the amount of money at the banks could have such an impact. The reduced bank reserves, coupled with higher interest rates, could make it more expensive for consumers to borrow money, which would lower demand and ultimately slow inflation. But these are not normal times. The usual levers, increasing interest rates and reducing money at the bank, aren't an option as the banks have lent out much of this extra money. The Fed can now only increase interest rates and not substantially reduce the supply of money in the economy as they once did. So just how do they stop the banks from supplying even more of this extra money they have on their balance sheets that they printed during the Great Recession and during the COVID pandemic? Well, first, they stop banks from lending some of this extra money by raising the reserves they need to have set aside. 
The second way is by paying them lots of interest to keep money above this required amount in the bank and not loan to others. Some economists estimate that the Fed will pay banks between $150 and $200 billion per year, depending upon interest rates. Cue the outrage. We will likely hear arguments from politicians and some in the media to have the government take over the banks. This is exactly the wrong solution because concentrating power in the hands of fewer individuals will only create more problems. The best societies and economies have power distributed more broadly and not concentrated in the hands of fewer people. So what is the solution? Economists I follow believe we need to greatly reduce the Fed's ability to create more money and also create conditions in the economy that will allow businesses and the private sector to grow to create the extra revenue needed to retire the debt used to justify the printing of the extra money. I'll stop there. I do hope I was able to adequately explain why we are in different times. Now on to the tips, tricks, and strategies portion of the podcast where I will share the strategies to consider during these different times. Welcome to today's tips, tricks, and strategies portion of the podcast where I will share planning strategies to consider during these high inflationary times. But first, let me quote Yogi Berra when he said, predictions are hard especially about the future. No one knows the future and reactions based on short-term predictions almost always lead to disastrous results, especially when it comes to investing. While no one can consistently and accurately predict the future, there are historic trends that can serve as a guide. Stocks historically have been the best hedge against inflation. That's because stocks represent ownership in companies And these companies can reduce expenses or increase prices of services and products to offset the impacts of inflation. Consequently, if you are more than five years from retirement and making regular retirement contributions, ignore the short-term drops and just keep investing. Periodic investments in these down markets can be great buying opportunities. If you are within five years of retirement or in retirement, you need to preserve the money that you will spend in the first years of retirement or the next few years going forward. There are a variety of strategies that you can use. Just one would be investing some of these funds in short-term bonds. A bond is when you lend money to companies or governments. If you only lend the money for a short period of time, say nine months or a year, you can invest it again if rates move higher. This is not a recommendation, just merely one example of what you could do. There are also these stock bond hybrid investments that provide downside protection along with income. Again, not a recommendation, just another example of a possible strategy. But before anything is considered, it's imperative that your entire financial picture is assessed along with your goals when selecting an investment strategy. Finally, if you are nervous and want to sell your investments, please listen to episode 18 of my podcast entitled, When Life Gives You Lemons, Stay Invested. There, I share a personal and financially painful experience that demonstrates why you should consider staying invested. 
Well, thank you for taking the time to listen, and I hope you found this information useful. Remember, a better life is a result of better planning. If you have any questions about today's episode, about the Fed, or even early retirement or planning in general, please feel free to schedule a meeting on my website at betterplanningbetterlife.com. Thank you for listening. And until next time, remember that no one builds wealth by accident. If you want to learn more about how to build wealth to retire early, head on over to my website at betterplanningbetterlife.com. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. There is no assurance that the techniques and strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. The purchase of certain securities may be required to affect some of the strategies. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Economic forecasts set forth may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee that strategies promoted will be successful. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Individual tax and legal matters should be discussed with your tax or legal professional. Johnny West is a registered representative with and securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC.